<laughs> well, good morning. good morning. So good to be with you guys. I always, I always am honored and cherish the times that we get to come here to Church on the Rock, Melbourne, and minister and be with you. Uh, we've got a long, as Pastor mentioned, we've got a long relationship. I'll get to my notes and I'll tell you how long. All right, there we go. First of all, this is a great church, and you have great pastor team. Yeah, come on, come on, come on. You got a great pastoral team, and that means you're a blessed church. Praise God. And Church on the Rock Melbourne has partnered with us for about 35 years. The reason me and Gary can't quite grab the year was before the church was partnering with me, Pastor Gary had a home fellowship. And he invited my wife and I to come and share our vision for Haiti. And that's when we met our first meeting of what was then New Covenant Church. And then uh, with Pastor Gary and, and Bonnie. And uh, ever since, we've been friends. Praise God. That's a long time. Amen. But that's a good time. And we love being here with you. Um, the rest of the story is just history, wonderful relationship. I guess you saw some kids climbing all over me and stuff, and it's wonderful to have my daughter in love, Miranda Stewart here, and her husband, uh, Richard Stewart, from Fire and Action Ministries, am I correct? Yes, and then I got my other grand, older granddaughter back in the back. They're teenagers. They don't sit up front, but uh, it, it's in the rule book somewhere. But uh, Brianna Taylor, who's also my granddaughter, and she got a friend with him. Boy, his mom knows how to pick a name. His name is Yeshua. And so we're glad to have them. I'm glad to have my, my peeps here with me, praise God. Um, and so uh, let me get into my notes, and we'll figure it out. I do want to give a Haiti update. Haiti, I, I didn't bring pics. I probably should have, but I was busy all week loading a container. Thank God for Mike, your maintenance grounds guru he has a, a black a five level black belt in packing containers and uh, he is my right hand man whenever we do a container I call Mike and say Mike can you make it and because we're getting lower in, in volunteers all my volunteers grew up got married have kids and got to go to work and so now it's different but Mike shows up and we still had a little crew there got that thing loaded out in about two hours with the help of a forklift and it's on its way to Haiti, praise God. Much needed supplies. Much, much, much needed supplies. Uh, I wish I had an awesome, awesome testimony. We, our past, right, uh, Haiti's in a difficult place. But as, as Pastor mentioned, we've had 35 years in May. 35 years in May was our anniversary. That's a lifetime. That's a long time. And uh, God hasn't sent us anywhere else so far. So there's, that's where we stay. Uh, of course, as he said, we've planted churches, Bible schools, schools all over the nation. Church on the Rock, Port-au-Prince is the mother church. Linda's School, Morningstar Christian Academy, which was founded by my wife, has dual accreditation here in the United States. And so our graduates can move on to higher level learning here in the States. Fishers of Men Ministries has an accredited Bible school that's to the bachelor's degree level. We're working on the master's now. We've survived hurricanes. We've survived massive earthquakes. We've survived the, uh, survived the best we can with personal loss. We've survived. Praise God. And we keep going forward. I did ask God a question. I was telling my good old friend back there, Ted Travers, where is, did he leave already? 
You go, there you are, Ted. I said, uh, I, 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 I gave him the story I'm going to give to you. I did have a little prayer time. I said, now, God, am I supposed to die here or do I get a little retirement time? <laughs> he, and Ted asked the same question everybody asked. What did he say? He hadn't said a thing yet. And so if he doesn't say a thing, you keep doing what he told you to do. You know, that's just the walk of faith. Praise God. And so we're just going to keep on doing what we're supposed to do. Um, now we're surviving turmoil and terror. There are huge, I, they call them gangs. They're really many warlords that are, that are positioning for power, positioning for uh, turf, land, and uh, the streets are not safe. It's a level four travel warning, which is the highest level they can give. And when you go to a level four on your embassy page, it says, do not travel. I'm going Tuesday. But it says, do not travel. Um, the gangs are very violent. They're very brutal. They're very barbaric. They have no conscience. They have no heart. And uh, so my prayer is, Lord, if you can't get them saved, have them kill each other. You know, and so just go for it. You're going to have to get used to me. Tony Huck will be back next week. I have a little bit different gifting, and, and that's normal. I, I actually walk in an apostolic gift to the nation of Haiti. But uh, I'm just going to go ahead and put the disclaimer out there. He'll be back. Don't worry. All right. Praise God. Hallelujah. So anyhow, the, they're heavily armed gangs. I mean, it, it, they outnumber and outarm the, the forces of Haiti, the police and those levels. Even if we were to send special forces in, we would have losses. That's how heavily armed they are. And so, uh, and, they're, and they're not gang gangs like 52nd Street Gang or whatever. It's, it's like a thousand to a gang. And even the gangs fight each other for turf. Then they fight the police. Then they kidnap people off the streets. And that's their revenue of choice. And then they run cocaine from Colombia to the United States. And, uh, um, Haiti hasn't asked for any assistance, primarily because the people in control are making money through it all, too, and they don't want anybody messing with their dollars. And so what we need is a move of God, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's no electric right now. There's uh, fuel shortages. Um, I just talked to my staff yesterday. They had enough electric for this morning's services. I mean, enough uh, fuel to run the generators for this morning's service. There's no security total anarchy, our finances and our budgets that we created in the nation of Haiti are in the tank, but God's still in control. All right. Hallelujah. And if for those who know me and for those of you who are just now meeting me or knowing of me, you have to know one thing. There is no quit in me. We're not standing down. I don't care how violent it gets. I'm not standing down. There has to be a standard of righteousness in the midst of darkness. There has to be a standard of righteousness that restores God's, uh, God's destiny on a nation. And that's what we are for our own nation. You guys think it's bad. Our, our, our uh, market gas is 15 to $20 a gallon. And I don't like $4 a gallon gas either. But <laughs> black market gas is a whole different. And then they might put water in it. So, so it's, it's just a, an intense situation. But God is going to maintain a standard of righteousness because God has a redemptive plan for Haiti. God has a redemptive plan for the United States. Yes, he does. God has a redemptive plan for the nations of the world. 
And you have to expand your hearts and your vision and your eyesight, spiritual eyesight, to what God wants to accomplish globally and then locally, or locally, then globally, either way you want to go. And so you need to really open up your spirit to all this. Um, God has a redemptive plan and a plan of deliverance. I truly believe it. Now, our church is praying right now like they've never prayed before, and there's always been a praying church. We pray five mornings a week at six-ish, Haiti time. And then we pray once a month on the last Saturday of every month. We call a fast and prayer. Now, that's a little different than the United States. We start at 6 a.m. and we'll end about 2, 3, 4 o'clock, depends. And uh, several thousand people will show up and we'll, we'll change worship teams and rotate. People will minister, people will pray for people. But uh, we're praying specifically for that nation. Because this, the problem is, is they have a real revelation of how much they need God. I pray that our nation comes to that revelation of how much we need God. Praise God. And it's not about politics. Because if God's hands ain't on it, I don't care who's in the office. It ain't happening. And we're the ones that maintain that dome of grace over our nation as we pray. Are y'all listening to me? So we got to keep praying for our nation. I'm responsible for Haiti. You're responsible for Melbourne and the surrounding region. Palm Bay, whatever. That's, you're responsible. I'll tell you something. I don't want it to sound haughty, but tw- 36, seven years ago, God gave me a word, and Linda, me and Linda a word. He said, I want you to go and take a nation. I had two travel trunks and three children and my wife. I didn't have a PA, didn't have any money, didn't have any really backing, didn't have anything. We just did what God said, and we went by faith. 35 years later, we're taking a nation in Jesus' name. By his grace. You know, the fruit that has abounded by his grace is mind-blowing. It's totally mind-blowing what he was able to accomplish with us and through us in these years. And he'll do the same with you. Matter of fact, we're going to get to that part in the message today. Because every single person under the sound of my voice has a divine plan and purpose of God. Thank you for my two amens. We're going to have to start shouting a little more than that because I'll get really stirred up here in a minute. You don't have to be a Bible school graduate or a prophetic voice to realize we're in the last of the last days. As we see more of signs of the times being released, it just seems that we're getting closer and closer to the return of the Lord. When will the Lord return? I have no idea. But it could be in the next 32 seconds and I won't have to preach. <laughs> it could be. I'm ready. <laughs> Amen. But it's, it's, it's evident that we're entering in the last of the last days. The last days began on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached the message from the book of Joel that says, in these last days, in these last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so that's when the last days began. And we're a couple thousand and change since then. And so we got to be in the last of the last days. Praise the Lord. And in the last days, it says that Jesus is coming for a glorious church. As taken from the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 27, said that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that he, that she should be holy and without blemish. Now, we want to be a glorious church. We don't want to be a religious church. Thank you. <laughs> we want to be a glorious church. We don't want to be a rel- religious people aren't part of a glorious church. But I think the religious people will see the example set before them and they'll follow. 
So I have great hope for everybody. I'm not going to leave anybody behind, praise God. But a, a glorious church, let me give you the most simplest theological definition of a glorious church. I have a doctorate, so I can do this. The most simplest definition of a glorious church is a people. We're, talk, we're talking about this church right now because you're, you're the people. Is a people with the priority of their life, the priority of their life to seek more of his presence in their life. Too many Christians, when they go to pray, they come with a, a market list of what they need at Publix. Then they say amen. They walk away and they don't give God time to talk. The priority of our prayer should not be what we need. The priority of our prayer should be God. Come on now. And I'm not just talking. And, and you had such a tremendous ambience in this church this morning. I walked in and your prayer warriors and your worship team were working. First thing I said to Pastor Gary was the ambience is awesome here. God's here. Why was it? Because the priority of this service was the presence of God. And so you got to maintain a priority in your spirit, man, that, uh, that I'm not here just to get something from God. I'm here to find God. You don't worship God to get something. You worship God to get God. That's part of the glorious church. Now, see, when you begin to worship, and I'm even talking about private time. I start out with my little worship set off my phone on my little speakers, and I just begin to worship and sit and worship and sit. And sometimes a long time passes, and I didn't even realize it. And God comes, and you're in your little room by yourself, and all of a sudden it's just you and God, and you realize it. And all of a sudden tears probably come, start coming down your cheeks, and you realize... I'm in the presence of the creator of the universe. And you don't even want to talk. You just want to get a hug, a long one. Because I can feel it right now. Praise God. Holy Spirit's in this house right now. Whew. See, a glorious church is a people where the priority of their life is to seek more of his presence in their personal life. And the more, here's how it works. And the more time you spend in his presence the more time the glory begins to rise in your spirit because the glory is simply the manifest presence of God. That's what the glory is. Every single person here today is called to be a vessel of God's glory. You have a divine plan and purpose for your life, but in that plan is for you to be a vessel of his glory. And to have his glory, you gotta spend time in his presence. And then you spend time in his presence, the glory begins to increase. And as the glory begins to increase, you want to spend more time in his presence. Praise God. You know, God already knows what you need before you even ask. So, I mean, you get in his presence and you won't have to take the market list with you. And then the more glory and the more of his presence is in our life, all of a sudden we become more sensitive to his promptings and his leadings and his guidings. We begin to sort of hear his voice better. Nothing's easy about hearing the voice of God. I've been trying to do that and still do it. And I do hear his voice. And then sometimes I don't hear no voice. Hearing the voice of God is a challenge. But as you begin to spend more time in his presence, you begin to be prompted and you begin to hear things that you know is God. So we're, we're all at different levels. I'm just pushing us to the ultimate level. So don't be convicted if you're not there yet. Just We just start together. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. So the more glory comes, 
the more sensitive we are for, for him and for what he wants us to do. And then we become vessels of glory or vessels of his presence. And then you walk into a room and the whole ambience changes and you hadn't said a word. You hadn't even said a word. You walk on an airplane and people sit down next to you and look at you and go, what is it you do? Well, I just tell them I'm in government. <laughs> you are. I said, that's right. I'm an ambassador. Of what nation? Not a nation. It's a kingdom. What kingdom? It's the kingdom of God. That usually either entices more conversation or just shuts it down. <laughs> but the witness has begun. <laughs> See, we are called to be vessels of glory. To be a glorious church, we've got to become vessels of his glory. But there's an ultimate reason to be a vessel of his glory while we're still on this earth. Not just that we'll hear the sound of the trumpet. You know, it, it, it's pretty, well, I'm not going to get into that. That's a different spot. He just stopped me. Let's go on to this. As we seek his presence, his glory becomes more evident. As his glory becomes more evident in our lives, the, our potential of fulfilling destiny increases. Hallelujah. In the glory the glory will begin to change spiritual atmospheres. Lives will begin to ch be changed. People will be touched. Signs and wonders will begin to manifest at greater dimensions. I'm all about signs and wonders now. We'll get into that in a minute. Praise God. Uh, uh, I love it when they happen and, and question why they don't, uh, just like all of us. But you know what? In the last day of the last days, the signs and wonders are going to increase. The signs and wonders, just about our brother right there testifying about he's now, what we call it? pre-diabetic. He's not diabetic any longer. That's a sign and a wonder. That's a sign and a wonder. Praise God. Hallelujah. People save signs, wonders, miracles released from heaven. The glory and the presence of God releases your witness. Hallelujah. And this is what takes me to my message. That was all introduction. <laughs> the title of my message today is a voice crying in the wilderness. See, the wilderness is wherever God isn't. That's the wilderness. Bible says that we're in the world, but we're not a part of the world. We belong to a different set of rules, a different, a different set of government. It's called the kingdom of God. The world has its aspects, but yet, and we're in the world, but we're not to be a part of the world. And the more of the world you shake off your life, the better off you will be in your spiritual walk. And we all got some shaking to do. Even I've been in the ministry now almost 40 years. I'm still shaking stuff. You never stop shaking. God's like a, a great sound technician on a big board back there. And he's totally throughout the service tweaking different knobs to make it sound better. And he'll be tweaking your knob. And if you hadn't heard him to change something lately, that's because you hadn't been in his presence enough. Because if you're in, your presence, if you're in his presence enough, he'll tell you to change something. <laughs> and it might be something you really like. But he may not. Are y'all and see not all of it is just blatant sin. It's just he's tweaking you so that your spiritual sound becomes more defined. Because we're all here to be a witness. I take my passage from the book of uh, Matthew three, verse one and three. It says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. 
You see, just as John was called to prepare the way of the Lord, I believe in these last days, the church, the glorious church, is called to prepare the return of the Lord. The ultimate, ultimate uh, goal of us becoming vessels of glory is not so we can check out of here one day. The ultimate vessel of being a, a vessel of glory, the ultimate goal of being a vessel of glory is to prepare for the return of the Lord. Just as John the Baptist was there, prepared the way for the Lord, our, our ministry is to prepare for the return of the Lord. That's our ministry. Now, we all have different aspects of that. We all have different gifting, different callings, different. And here, collectively, as a church, and you're a glorious church, the church will touch the region collectively as an organization, but it doesn't stop there. It stops with us individually. Are y'all following me? And I'm sure there are plenty of different outreaches you can jump in on uh, uh, with, your, with all the anointing of God on your life. Praise God. And he says, it's one crying, a voice crying in the wilderness. You see, there's a great wilderness out there right now. There are people that are desperate for truth and they don't even know it. There are people that are in depression or in sickness or in, or in stress that don't know Jesus. And all they're, all they're really waiting for is someone to share it with some love and grace. John the Baptist's message was repent. That doesn't go over real big right now. You get the repent in after you start putting your arm around them a little bit. You get into their spirit a little bit. Get into their, what they really need is just somebody to care. And the church has to rise up and be that somebody because it ain't coming from anywhere else. We have to rise up and care, put our arm around them and say, you know, I, I have a Lord and Savior that he can change all this. And he loves you. And you really need to repent. But the repentance message in, in today's society, if you just stand there and go, you need to repent, you sinner. It ain't going to go over real good. But you can, you can kind of spread it in there a little bit. See, God is looking for voices in the wilderness. God is seeking those that are walking in so much glory they can't contain themselves. God is looking for those that are so prioritized in his presence in their lives. My greatest day is a Saturday where I spend four to five hours in God's presence as I prepare for my Sunday. That is my most awesome of time. If I start early enough, I might still be able to get a football game after I'm done. Come on now, I'm still real. <laughs> I'd still be able to get, and if I don't, I don't, but if, but you know, that's, that is the most awesome day to me. You know, all the, all the young people, they want to go to water park or something. I want to just go hang out with God. There's nothing better than hanging out with God. There really isn't. And as you hang out with God, the spirit of God becomes greater and greater. It's so awesome. It's so good. I just can't put it in. I can't articulate how so, so awesome it is. God is looking for that voice and it comes from the church. It comes from us individually. As we seek the Lord for his presence, we'll begin to he will begin to reveal to us people in our day who are desperate. As you get closer to God, he'll whisper something to you and say, this person here is desperate and he'll open a way to confront them, not confront them, what's a better word, to just minister to them. He'll do it. And, all, and you know what the greatest thing is besides being in the presence of the Lord? is God using you. It's like walk out and you're going, woohoo! Someone just got set free delivered and they're going to come to church on Sunday. 
Somebody came forward after I preached in the altar call and they got saved. They're nothing, nothing, nothing greater than that except for the presence of the Lord. And usually all that comes from the presence of the Lord. It's the only reason we have the ability to say, I won't quit. Because if you don't have the presence of God, you'll quit. When it really gets hard, when you got them shooting outside your gate, automatic gunfire, all you got is a shotgun and a Rottweiler. And God, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> makes you, but it makes you a little nervous, I'll tell you. I'm not fearful to go to Haiti, but I am extremely cautious. Extremely cautious. And I already told my board of directors. Hey, stop me. We'll tell you about that some other time. See, God is looking for a voice. And as we seek him for his presence, he'll begin to reveal to you people in your lives that are desperate for a touch. And then here's the thing. In Matthew, in Matthew chapter 4, I think it's 417, is the, is the premise of our, our, our ministry. And it says, Jesus says to the disciples, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. Name of our ministry is Fishers of Men Ministries International. I was an evangelistic fool when I was younger. Now I've, I'm still kind of evangelistic. But uh, I always say this, and this is for the other churches and not for you. If you're fish, not fishing for men, are you following Jesus? Yeah, that'll make you suck air. <laughs> if you're not fishing for men, are you following Jesus? Because he said, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. See, God's looking for the voices crying in the wilderness. That's part of your destiny. It's part of your gifting. It's part of your call. You know, and, and my destiny is to be a voice in the wilderness in the nation of Haiti. Your voice is, your, your destiny, part of your destiny is to be a voice here in the central Florida East Coast region. And, and, and prayer is part of that. And I mean, there's a number of ways you can be that. And, but we got to also look for people that are desperate. I'm telling you, there's so many out there. We had Jaden's birthday party yesterday at Cheddar's and ended up, Richard started ministering to, the, to our waitress and she had a story and then we prayed for her and then she had such a testimony, almost put me on my fanny. And uh, I mean, people are out there waiting for us. You just got to know they're waiting. And it's not everybody, just don't go running around, repent, repent, repent. You ain't going to get much fruit that way. But when, you're, when you minister with kindness and grace, and softness. See, I'm a, I'm a boisterous person. That was something I had to learn. So then all of a sudden people will be drawn to you by the Spirit of God. You see, in the book of Joel, chapter 3, verse 14, it says, multitudes and multitudes are in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. That goes for today. Multitudes and multitudes, more people than you think, are ready. They're in that valley of decision but they don't know what the next step is. More people than you think. And so as we spend time in the presence of God, become part of that glorious church, and the glory of the Lord begins to rise up in, within us, he begins to speak. He'll tap you on the shoulder and say, you see that nice lady over there? She needs prayer. Then what you going to do? You're going to go over there and say, may I pray for you? I just heard God. Can I pray for you? I know one prophetic voice. He goes walking around to airports and prophesies over people. That's different. Amen. But he's a prophetic voice, and he's usually right on. If he prophesies to me, I put it in the bank, put it that way. 
but multitudes are in that valley of decision. Joel 3.16 says, The Lord also will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and the earth will shake, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people and a strength of the children of Israel. Now, in my context, I see Zion or Jerusalem speaking of the, of the, of the New Testament church. We are the dwelling place of God. All right? God is here. We are Zion. We are Jerusalem. They went up to Zion to get in his presence. We are the presence. And it says that Zion and Jerusalem will roar. Voices crying out in the wilderness. People bringing hope and peace and love to people that are desperate. And uh, so he says in these last days, and then in the midst of the shaking, and can you, uh, you don't have to be a theologian to realize God's shaken. God's shaken the nations of the world. There's none to be safe. We, he, he's going to shake till he gets his way, I'll tell you that. And then Jesus is going to come back. He, but he said he will be a shelter for us in the shaking. That's a good thing. I, 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 I've been shaking a lot. I can write books on being shaken. I can write books on tribulation. But after every chapter, it would finish with how Jesus walked me through it. Come on. Every chapter. It would say how Jesus. So the Lord will roar from Zion. Lord will roar from a New Testament church. We will refuse to stand down. We will refuse to quit. Hallelujah. And darkness surrounds us, but we will continue to roar. Because it's truth. Seasoned with love and grace. Seasoned with hope. Seasoned with strength and power. And Matthew 3.11. <coughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to go... Uh, in Matthew 3.11, John says, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. Now, I will say, if you've never been water baptized, you need to. Now, I mean, it's part of the tenets of the, of the faith of the church. You need and ask Pastor Gary to dunk you somewhere. You got a baptism or you go to a pool? Pools are good. Oh, you got one here? Praise God. He says, he said unto them, where is it? Oh, I baptize you with water under repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Somebody say fire. fire. You see, that, <laughs> that's the glory. He's not just going to baptize you so you can shaka shaka. He's going to baptize you for fire, praise God. Now the shaka shaka comes part of it. Hallelujah. But he wants you to have fire burning in your spirit. Now I'm going to tell you, I'm not, and this is a local church kind of thing where they need to minister to you. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm sure there's some pastors here that can minister that to you scripturally. But I'm of the, I'm of the theology that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a second act of grace in your life after you receive Jesus as Lord. Now in my case, because I was an evil, dark person in my young 20s. I was born again and instantly baptized in the Holy Spirit with, with, a, with a heavenly language. And I had no theology, never darkened the door of a church. Didn't know if it was right, didn't know if it was wrong. Had walked in there, I had, I had a friend needed prayer. He was going to commit suicide, I thought. And I had to talk him out of it. And the, the next day I said, I'm going to have to go over to my mom's Bible study. Them women pray. And, and, uh, and I walked over to my mom's Bible study. So I walked in. Luckily, my mom went there. I had a shield. My mom wasn't there that day. Three women that had been praying for me for years were there. Then women carried Dake's Bibles. Do you know how big Dake's Bibles are? If you don't get saved, they're going to slap you upside the head with that Bible. 
I walked in. They said, Jay, what are you doing here? I said, I got a friend who needs prayer. He, that one lady looked at me and said, if you don't give your heart to Jesus right now, you're going to die and go to hell for, and, 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 and be tormented in eternal fire. The other lady said, come out of him in Jesus' name. Come out of him in Jesus' name. Other lady went, fill him, Lord. Fill him, Lord. And the lady in front steadily going at me. You're going to live in hell fire. And the other lady's coming, come out of And I started gurgling and frothing because I was like a male Mary Magdalene. I had at least seven devils. I was demon-possessed, and all of a sudden they came out, and I began, raised my hand, began to pray in heavenly tongues. Now, when a, when a sinner that's getting saved asks a question, don't talk Christianese. Explain it normal. So I put down my hands. I said, what is this? I had no idea. The lady goes, this is that which the prophet Joel spoke of, and I went, revised language. Who the heck is he? Is he coming to? She said, put your hands back up. Keep praying. And I, immediately my addictions were broken. Now, I know there are people that got to go to overcomers. I don't want to downgrade anyone that's not quite there yet. God's going to get you there. But I'll tell you this. Immediately my addictions were broken and, I, and a fire came up. I walked home. I, I, it was just down the street from my house. And I walked home and I walked in the door. Linda had been saved by Jamie Buckingham earlier. You all old enough to know who Jamie Buckingham is? Hallelujah. So anyhow... But she was doing her thing, and I was doing my thing. I was dark. That's all I'm going to say. I was very dark. Very dark. And so I walked in the house. She looked at me. She goes, what happened to you? I said, what do you mean? Then she smiled. She said, you got saved, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got saved. And so everything changed. My whole countenance changed. Because demons were cast out. You see, some people got demons, and the demons in in Haiti, they'll go on the floor looking like a snake. The demons in America went to Yale. (laughs) You you don't even know. They went to universities. Probably, oh, I'm not going to get into Florida football. No, 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 no. (laughs) Keep this serious here. (laughs) But... But the, the devils in America are educated, basically, is what I'm saying. They come across a whole different way. And uh, I didn't. I was evil. I was one evil person, and God just set me free. Bang! Of course, them women have been praying for me three, four years. I tell them, quit praying for me. They say, no, no, we're not quitting nothing. You see, God wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. Fire always symbolizes the power of God. See, we should all yearn to be vessels of his power. But the only way to be vessels of his power is not because the word says it. It's because you spend time in his presence. And as you spend more time in his presence, the glory becomes stronger. Then when you lay on your hands on somebody, all of a sudden, suddenly, bang. And you're going, whoa. That worked. The next time you lay hands on somebody, it didn't, it's like, hello. Me and pastor said, had a little discussion over that. Healing and miracles are a mystery, but I'm going to keep doing what the scripture says. I'm going to keep laying hands on the sick. I'm going to keep casting out devils. Believe God. I'm going to pray in tongues. I don't do it right now because there's no one here to interpret that, I don't think, so I won't, but it might be. (laughs) I don't have a message in tongues right now. So let's go on to where he's talking from, Acts 1, 7, and 8. I'm trying to get to my closing section, and that's a few more minutes. You know, you can say I'm closing three times and not be lying if you're a preacher. (laughs) It's the fourth time you're in trouble. And I didn't even say it, so don't start counting. 
Acts 1, 7 and 8. Now, the, the, the apostles, disciples just came to Jesus in his resurrected body and said, hey, when are you coming back and establishing your kingdom? And Jesus responds to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Verse 8. But you shall receive power. Say power. You shall receive power. You're not just going to have an eloquent message. You're not, I'm the most uneloquent speaker there is in the world, but boy, we can produce some fruit, praise God, through his grace, by his power, by his ability. He's, no, the power is power. He says, you shall receive power. Say it one more time, power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see, that's the ultimate goal of the glorious church, that we would all become witnesses. So you can witness even by your style of life. You can witness by your character being expressed in front of others. You can witness... All different ways and still not just even give the whole total gospel. People are watching you. If they know you're a dedicated Christian, they got their eyes on you. And they're talking about you at dinner time to see if they believe it or not. Yes, they are. That's that neighbor over there. You say, hey, because he's mowing his lawn. That's about the totality of your relationship with him. And he, but he knows you're a Christian. He's watching. He's listening, see if he can hear any yelling from the house next door. Right? God bless you if you need some prayer for yelling. Power to be a witness. Power to be a witness. Not power just to have power, not power just to sit on our sweet dairy air in a church three times a week. It's power to be a witness. That's the ultimate goal of God. He's wanting all of us to be that vessel of glory, that vessel of power to be a witness. I like to used to, now they messed me up at Walmart. I got stories, so we get messed up. I used to, you know, they went and got self-checkout. I hate self-checkout. because, And I got to find the one lady that's on with a line out the door to go through her. Because I, but when they had the ladies and people in the checkouts, every time I'd go through Walmart, I'd look at her and say, would you mind if I pray with you? But it wasn't a question. I already had her by the hand. And I just closed my eyes and begin to pray. And I would say 30, 40% of the time I'd look up after the prayer and tears are just rolling down their eyes. That's power to be a witness. Walmart was my fishing hole. Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. How many people fish for fish? Well, if you do, I, I used to. I don't have time like I like to now. You know your hole. You know where you want to go. You know certain baits that will be used there. You know how to change your baits up to attract the fish. And you have your places that are fake. Walmart was one of my fishing holes. And you go where you're comfortable. Go where you're comfortable. Be a witness where you're comfortable. Because then it becomes easier. Hallelujah. The other place that I'm, a, my most favorite fishing hole is the Port-au-Prince Airport. They got what they call the blue shirt church there. The blue shirt church, the blue shirts are all the customs agents. I've led 80% of them to the Lord. They ask me for prayer all the time. They all come to see me when I walk in with my bags. They all hang out, we all hang out together. Then I got... I got bodyguards going out to the car because they're walking with me. 
and they're all carrying their little iron and walking with me and just we're just sharing. But that's my one of my fishing holes. Now I'll tell you a story. I get back to where we can finish. Somebody say amen. One day I'm waiting for an American to come off the plane and some kind of brass colonel, something in the police force. He had all the gold and the gold and gold and all that stuff. He's high. I don't know, some kind of police commissioner or something. He walked up to me and he said, are you the pastor that prays for people here? I said, that'd be me. He says, well, I'm unfortunate. I don't have a blue shirt. He's in khaki. I said, no, there's some blue up here. You got some blue over there. Got some blue down your stripe of your pants. You're all right. He said, well, would you pray for me? I said, well, do you want me to pray when I get home continuously or do you want me to pray for you now? He said, I want you to pray for me now and then go home and pray continuously, (laughs) which I did for a good little season. Evidently, he was in some trials. I said, I'll pray for you now. Some kind of colonel takes off his hat, kneels down in front of me. And there's 150 people getting their bags off the plane and bowed his head. And I laid my hands on him. Now, when I pray, I don't pray obnoxiously loud, but I pray out loud. And I prayed for the man. And everybody's standing there going, that's a witness. It may not be a witness that brought him to the Lord or brought the people watching to the Lord, but it was a witness. And that's what we have to be. God is looking for that voice crying out in the wilderness. Some of you young people, if you're in public school, there's kids in there that are dying to know some Jesus. I don't know if you're in private or public, but your generation is hungry to know. Hungry to know. And all God's children said. So I want to be a voice in the wilderness. And I'm praying that God is igniting something in you. That will motivate you. I'm going to finish with this example. That's about 42 verses. <laughs> what? There are so many great voices throughout scripture. So many. I mean, they're all awesome. I love them all. But there's one guy in particular that I just really relate to. His name's Elijah. Be honest with you. For 35 years, I've prayed for an Elijah anointing. I don't think I'm walking in anywhere close to the fullness of it. So I don't want to get your hopes up too high. I also wonder if God can trust me with it. (laughs) Because Elijah's anointing was a prophetic voice to regions and countries, to kings. His prophetic voice against the prophets of Baal. He had a prophetic voice that was pretty stout and pretty strong. And he was such a tremendous man of God. And he spent a lot of time with God. We'll see that right here. But in 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, Moab rebelled against Israel at the death of Ahab. And Isaiah fell, Isaiah fell through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria and was injured. So he sent messengers and said to them, Go inquire of Belizebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall re- recover from my glory. They are, Israel now is so backslidden from God, there ain't even no God. They're going to Belizebub to get ask for uh, deliverance for the king, Isaiah. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite. Now, number one, you got to be in some mode of prayer for the angel of the Lord to show up. Angel of the Lord just doesn't par it. I'm speaking Creole. Appear in his, in his three-piece suit and said, hey there, but dude, I'm the angel of the Lord. 
You know, you got to be in some focus of prayer. And so I'm assuming Elijah is praying to the Lord. And he sends the angel of the Lord to bring a response. Now, a lot of theologians believe the angel of the Lord is Christ himself. A lot of theologians believe that. I just call him the angel of the Lord because that's what the Bible calls it. And so the angel of the Lord comes to Elijah the Tishbite. The second thing I wanted to point out, man, I was thinking about changing my name to J. Tishbite Threadgill. I love that. Look out, here comes the Tishbite. Right now, it's, right now in Haiti, I'm described by, you know, the short, fat pastor with the long hair. No, I'd rather have Tishbite. Tishbite in itself. J. Tishbite Threadgill. Yeah, that's me. Praise God. Hallelujah. No. The angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise and go meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, It is because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire about Zebub, the God of Ekron. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord. Now, here it comes. Now, this is serious. I want that, I want this kind of anointing I want. I don't know if I've seen a lot of it anywhere. It seems like all the prophets, when they get around a president, they start patty caking. Of course, if you tell him he's going to die, you're going to get arrested by the CIA. Maybe God didn't want to tell any presidents they're going to die. But it seems to me that a whole lot of prophets want to act right and good when they're around the president. Sometimes you just got to speak truth and love. That's maybe why God hadn't given me that anointing yet. I'm serious. Angel of the Lord said to me, arise and tell the message of Samaria and say to them, because you have no God in Israel, that you are going to inquire Belizebub, the God of Ekron. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, you shall not come down from that bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. Woo! Going to tell the king, I'm going to die. Well, that didn't, that didn't excite the king too much. Said in verse 5 and 6, 2 Kings 1, 5 and 6, messengers returned to him and he said, why are you come back so fast? So they said to him, a man came up to meet us and said to us, go return to the king and sent you and say to him, thus says the Lord, it is because there is no God in Israel that you are send, sending to inquire Belizebub, the God of Ekron. Therefore, you shall not come down from your bed to which you have gone up, but you're going to die. And then the king said, what kind of man was it? Short, fat, white guy with long hair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to lose some weight. It gets harder when you get old. They said, what kind of man was it that came to meet you and told you these words? And they said to him, it was a hairy man. A hairy man wearing a leather belt around his waist. And he said his name was Elijah the Tishbite. Oh, he said, it's Elijah. And then the king sent the captain of 50 and his 50 men. So he went to him and there he was sitting on top of a hill. Now, when you're sitting on the top of a hill in the Bible, it always de depicts kingdom. There's Kingdom of God hills, and there's kingdom of the devil hill. We speak to the mountain that is not of God. Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. Do not doubt in our heart, but we'll receive that which we have said. That's the devil's hill or the devil's mountain. And then hills where you see men of God like Moses went up the mountain. There's a reason he went up the mountain because it is not, was not just the habitation place of God, which it is. It depicts the kingdom of God. Are you all following me in this? A little theology for you. Throw it out, keep it, do whatever you want. And so he's captain of the 50. Then the king sent the captain of the 50 and 50. So he went up to him and he says to Elijah, sitting on top of a hill, he said, man of God, the king says, come down. I love Elijah's response because I'm going to show you how you can use this in your everyday life. 
Elijah said, Pastor Jay says, every born-again Christian in this house this morning can say, woman or man, if I am a man of God, I've got my faults, repented through most of them, working them out. But if I am a man of God, when the devil attacks me, I call the fire of the Holy Ghost down on you. See, a lot of times we pray, God, please do this in Jesus' name. Like when there's a mountain. God, didn't, God ain't going to remove the mountain. One time I said, God, move that mountain. He said, I said in the Bible, you move it. <laughs> Got to know your scriptures. God's not going to move a mountain that he spoke to you to move. You speak to the mountain. Someone says, how long do I got to speak to the mountain? Till it moves. <laughs> how long do I got to call the fire of the Holy Ghost down out of heaven? Till whatever it is burns. He says, if I be a man of God, I call fire down from heaven. Now, physical fire came down. <laughs> 50 and the captain are gone. Well, that got the king all upset. He sends a second 50 and a captain. Where is that at? Yeah, verse 11. He said, man of God, thus has the king said, you come down here quickly. See, just being belligerent. He did it again. If I be a man of God. How many men and women of God do we got in the house? Come on now. You got to realize what's inside of you. Christ is in you. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you got the Holy Spirit with power living in you. Huh? And then you can work out all those theological questions with your pastoral staff, but I believe they believe pretty similar to what I believe. And we, and we ease people into it because they get all... <laughs> so we got to help them out. That's our job. And everybody said... So he sent the second 50, and Elijah said, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50, and the fire came... <laughs> Two captains, two, 100 people, gone. Again, he sent the third captain, verse 13 and 14, a 50 and his 50 men. And the third captain of 50 went up, and he came, and he fell to his knees. This captain had a little bit upstairs. <laughs> he says to him, he fell to his knees before Elijah and pleaded with him and said to him, man of God, Please let my life and the life of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. Look, fire has come down from heaven and burned up those other guys. But let my life now be precious in your sight. And God spoke to Elijah and said, you go with him. Prophecy didn't change. Still told the king he's going to die. He just went to tell him. But he called fire down from heaven. Now, here's the premise. A glorious church has a fire. It's not a physical, natural fire. It's a spiritual fire. A glorious church possesses power. And it all comes from the time we spend in the presence of God. And, and, and if, I mean, I know we're at all different levels. You may have just a little devotion in the morning. I'll tell you what, at least say something when you turn your car keys on. Because if you don't pray for you leave, that just, you're just telling God, I don't need you today. I mean, I realize people get busy and they're rushing and we're running and we're going places. But at least say, Lord, place your hand upon me this day. Lead and guide me in, the best, in, in, in ways that I need to go or something. Maybe you don't have two hours to spend with God right then. That's all right, but pray something. But the more time you spend in the presence of God, the greater dimension of the power grows.
The greatest revivalists and the greatest men of God that have, that have been in the historical in our nation and nations of the world were people of great prayer. They were people of great prayer and giftings and callings. But every single person in this room has a gifting and calling. Every single person in this room has a plan and a purpose of God for your life. And you have to know what that plan and purpose is. Because, see, when I get to heaven, I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear, glad you made it. (laughs) And you know what? Some, that's what they're going to hear. At least they made it, praise God. But I don't want to hear just, glad you made it. I want to stand there and he say, well done. I want to see the smile on his eyes and the smile on his face. I'm sure when he gets to the judgment stuff, there'll be a little burn up, but I want to get a well done. That's what I'm yearning for is a well done. You see, we may not be able to call down physical fire from heaven, but we are men and women of God. And if you're a man and woman of God, we can lift our voice and call it down and declare it and release it. When I pray and I'm in battle and in battle prayer, anybody know anything about battling in prayer? Hallelujah. When I'm in prayer and battling, I call down powerful fire of the Holy Spirit. We can call it down on our trials. We can call it down on a weak marriage. We can call it down on our children that are wayward. We can call it down on the power of darkness. We can call it down on sickness and disease. We can call it down on our wayward kids. I said that. We can call it down on our lack of finances. We can call it down, but the whole principle of it is, if you're a man or woman of God, then call it. And speak to it where it goes. And then things begin to happen. And if it's not happening, God may illuminate something we need to shift or change so it can happen. Because we're spending time in the presence of God. Because we're now vessels of glory that are part of the glorious church. We're just not some yada, yada, yada. Let's go on Sunday because the music's nice. We're on fire for God. You got to be on fire for God. If you're not on fire for God, you're going to quit. Because the devil will throw everything he's got on you. I can write a book on it. But we have the, the Bible says we have the victory through Jesus Christ. First Corinthians 15, verse 57. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. And so I declare victory on every family represented here today in the name of Jesus. Father God, I pray that you would release this fresh anointing, this fresh desire into the hearts of this assembly. Lord, that you will continue to raise up this assembly as a glorious church, God, that they will reach out and begin to draw close to others that are in desperate situations, that they will be sensitive to hear your voice, Lord, and be prompted by your voice, Father God. I pray blessings upon them. I, I, I release an apostolic blessing upon them. I bless them in the name of the Father. I bless them in the name of your Son, Jesus. And I bless them in the name of the Holy Spirit. I pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's kids said, thank you for letting me be with you today.